1: hello mamacitas welcome back for a brand new episode of tere tells all if you're new to the show i am your host tere and we have a fantastic episode today and i am so very proud of this episode but before we dive into it i wanted to share a few reviews and updates with you guys Remember that you can support the show by subscribing on whatever platform you listen to and by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. So today I'm going to share two of those reviews. The first one is from Nessrod93 and they say, love, love, love. I just started listening to your podcast and you have wonderful content. Relating to many different topics from motherhood, to fitness, to women empowerment, the struggle of life, I love it. Thank you for the reminder of what strong is in every episode. And the second one is from Salida V. And she says, I have been following Teresa on IG for a while now. I love how positive she is and how she inspires other women. Also, I love how she shuts body shamers down quick. I listen to this episode every week on my drive home after work. After working 12-hour shifts overnight, this keeps me awake so I can make it home safely. The messages on this podcast are all positive and inspiring. Thank you, Tere. So thank you both for leaving your um, reviews on apple it really does help the podcast grow but more importantly i'm glad that you are relating to the messages to the stories to the content to the people who i have on here and that's ultimately what i wanted out of this podcast um i know these episodes can get pretty heavy and really personal But I think it's a valuable safe space for us to discuss important topics, to be vulnerable, and to listen about others' experiences, to become better human beings, to um, be empathetic, to be kind. And so thank you so much for listening and for taking the time to leave those reviews for me. If you would like to support me directly, you can do so by entering my code Teresa at checkout with any of the companies that i'm partnered with Um, that would be buff bunny collection what up nutrition lovely and blush or even iron flask lovely and blush right now is having their black friday sale so if you're listening today the day that this episode came out the black friday sale is up and they have the entire website discounted up to 70 percent off and if you add my discount code on there, you can get an additional 10% off. So some things could be discounted up to 80%. Um, and then Buff Bunny Collection is going to be starting their Black Friday sale on Friday, November 19th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. And again, with them, the, disc- the stuff will be discounted from 10% to 70% off. So if you are in the need for cute boutique style clothing, hit up Lovely and Blush. If you need some fitness wear or some bathing suits, then hit up Buff Bunny Collection starting on the nineteenth. Um, and then for One Up Nutrition, you can get some pre workouts, some protein, all that stuff, twenty percent off with my code Teresa. And then Iron Flask—they haven't announced a Black Friday sale, but I know they will have one. And my discount code for them will be or is Teresa ten. So. Thank you so much. You know, this podcast is my passion project and um, by you guys using my codes with all of these companies, it really does support me directly and I appreciate you guys so much for that. All right, moving on to today's topic. Uh, This is one that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I held off on recording it because I wanted to have the right guest to join me when I talk about this. If you've listened to any of my other episodes, you know that I am a huge believer in therapy and counseling. I think that working with a professional to heal your inner child and your trauma is truly the key to self-awareness and self-acceptance. Getting a hold of my health, you know, physically with like exercise and nutrition, that was definitely a game changer, but going to therapy for me was life-changing. I think it's what really helped me heal in ways that I didn't know that I needed to heal. Um, Heal with myself, with my heart, with my inner child, with my traumas and experiences. And so I think it also really helped me find my voice. And it's the reason why I'm here today recording this podcast and sharing everything with you guys so I will always be a big believer in, in therapy and finding the right therapist or the right counselor to work alongside you as you, you know, improve your, your, yourself and your mental health. Um, one of the topics that my guest and I will be discussing is generational trauma. Uh, generational trauma is not a new concept. In fact, it's been around since the 60s. So it's been around for quite a while. Um, But I think in recent years is when people really have started to look into it a little bit deeper and really understanding how generational trauma manifests itself and why it's something that we really need to talk about. So generational trauma is described as trauma that isn't just experienced by one person, but that it extends from one generation to the next, just like the name says, generational trauma from one generation to the next. Um, and it can be anything from physical harm, uh, like physical trauma, like child abuse or domestic abuse, even things like sexual assault, and even things like hate crimes and cultural trauma. So, you know, it 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 extends a variety of ways that this trauma can happen. And you know, you know the way you can tell if you have it or you suffer from it or it affects you is you know, you're hypervigilant, you mistrust, you have anxiety, you have depression, or even a lack of self-esteem or self-confidence. And sometimes, you know, I, I didn't think that I had generational trauma, but as I started to work on myself, I realized that I, in fact, did. And those are the things that I now have boundaries for, and those are the things that I work on on myself, but that I also I'm very vocal about because I want other people to to be self-reflective and and think about how we can stop those cycles of generational trauma. As a Latina, especially, I felt that it was important to discuss these topics from the Latinx lens. And so my guest today, you know, she's um, she's Latina. She's a Latinx counselor, a licensed counselor. And so we're going to talk about things like setting boundaries, boundaries, I'm sorry, uh, parenting, chancla culture, um, as well as ways that we can seek out that professional help. I do want to make it very clear that not one single person owns these terms or these concepts that we're going to talk about as a culture or even a collection of cultures. It is our responsibility to learn and share more about trauma and trauma responses so that we can collectively end these cycles and provide more stability for our future generations. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, guys. Today's guest is one of my current favorites. She has over 20,000 followers on TikTok and 17,000 on Instagram, where she helps others break cycles and heal within as a Latinx therapist. Say hello to Jacqueline Garcia. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. Um, From the moment I ran into your Instagram page, I was like, follow like 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 must <laughs> talk to her must get her on the show
0: <laughs> yes thank you so much for having me and I know that we had to reschedule our first meeting but I'm so happy to be here I mean either way time flies right I feel that, yes. that I think we we had scheduled our first interview a month ago Yes. and then now we're here so let's get started it's okay,
1: it's okay. Yeah. you know it was worth the wait
0: <laughs> yes.
1: um, if it makes you feel better you're not the first person who's ever had to reschedule me so it's no big deal I'm kind of used to it I just know yeah. everybody is so crazy busy yeah that just even finding a common time to record with someone um, can get pretty difficult, but we made it and i 'm glad you're here and i 'm so excited yes. to talk to you and for everyone to listen um, to you and and all the topics that I want to um, discuss. But before we dive into all that heavy stuff, can you kind of introduce yourself, tell us your background, um, who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff
0: yeah, of course again, thank you for having me. It is an honor to be sharing this space with you. Um, Again, my name is Jacqueline Garcia. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I am going to be uh, two years post-licensure this upcoming January, and I just can't believe it's already been two years. Um, My work has been with um, kids, children, and kids, teenagers, and adults. Um, a, A lot of my work has been with the Latinx community. Um, and hence why I'm so passionate about educating uh, in Spanish, both English and Spanish. Um, I, I'm from Riverside County. I don't know the IE, my, the IE people out there who are, who are listening. Shout out to you. Um, but I initially started my journey in Mexico. So I, I grew up in Tijuana, Baja California with my parents and my family, and I truly believe that the therapist's life chose me. I will always say that. And through my life experiences, it has led me to pursue to be in a field where I can provide back to my community and discuss uh, life adversities and mental health. Um, so I did grow up in Tijuana, Baja California uh, until I was 12 years old. And then I came to a small city, Moreno Valley, California, when I was uh, 12, sixth grader, didn't know the the, the language. And that was such a struggle. And um, um, fast forward to um, when I was a teen, I struggled with depression and anxiety, severe depression and anxiety and attachment issues and you name it. And so that led me to see a therapist. And after that, um i i i was in therapy for a year and i decided to um kind of like that seed was planted i'm like i want to be a therapist too mm-hmm. so that's a little bit about me um i see uh i treat with the dsm5 which is uh, a broad um our bible right our bible uh, to diagnose um individuals with um a mental health and that is just a guide for us to use for treatment right um, and I, I see a variety of diagnostics like anxiety, depression, bipolar, uh, borderline personality disorders, personality disorders itself. Um, so yeah, I, I've definitely seen a lot, and I've definitely grown thick skin throughout my journey. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: That's
1: quite a journey. Um, one thing that I that caught my attention is that you started therapy when you were younger, which I think is kind of progressive for. Um, like Hispanic cultures and Latin cultures in general um, because you don't hear about too many of our people going to therapy or seeking therapy if anything they try to avoid therapy I feel so I think that was I think that's pretty cool that you were able to experience that at a young age and that that is kind of what helped guide you to your path to where you are now
0: Mm -hmm. I would say that definitely my dad has he has been through a lot And, um, I've learned to understand, uh, his story and it was really hard for me to, to get here, right. To get to the space of acceptance. Um, definitely he started, he started that, that cycle breaking that cycle. Right. Um, and he, he joined family therapy. So we started as a family therapy and then we realized how many, adversities. We had so many issues, Mm -hmm. challenges we had, uh, from transitioning from Tijuana to over here. And, and so then, yeah, he, he started that he, he, he was able to begin breaking that cycle and it actually progressed for me and also my younger brother. It does not look like that for my younger sisters. Um, but I feel that it, we're still going through, through those changes, through those challenges. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Change takes time. It's Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah. Um, One of the other things that I also really like about you is that all your whole platform, your social media platform is bilingual, which I think is great because, you know, our Spanish speaking followers and people, they're able to find those resources that you're putting out in a way that they understand. And I think that is not just so like valuable, but also like, we we need more of it. So I do appreciate that about you. I think the very first um, post that I ever saw by you, it was where it was like English and then we swipe in and you get the same exact thing, but in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I sent it to my mom because like I, I really, really like I was moved by it. The fact that someone here realizes that we need those resources in Spanish as well.
0: Thank you for that. I try my best. I try my best. You know, I started, (laughs) I started um, Therapy Lux with kind of like no mission, right? I'm like, I don't know why I'm here, but I know I want to start this. And then uh, six months in the pandemic hit and I'm like, okay, I need to take a break because I noticed myself becoming more anxious, uh, becoming more like overwhelmed with the whole aspect of like. I'm trying to build an image and I'm still trying to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I did take a break. But then when I came back, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go all out. People are going to know me for who I am. I, my first language is Spanish. Like, I'm just going to start putting content in Spanish. And, it, and it, it really did resonate with a lot of people. So I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that I like that you and I both have in common is that we're not afraid to speak out and put in the work to break these generational cycles that no longer serve us. Um, That's something that I had to experience. That Even now, like recently, I'll share an experience in a minute um, where these like generational and cultural cycles kind of still pop up and we could just, you know, take it or we can ignore it or we can choose to speak up and see if we can create change for future generations. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do wanna talk about a lot of those things with you, just like things like um, setting boundaries with your families, um, Chankla culture, which is something that I'm very, very passionate about, um, therapy in general, and how like there's this bias about like demonials and religion and things like that, um, and then just trauma in general. So um, I don't know, you pick, which one do you wanna talk about first?
0: um let's I feel like we should stick with the chancla culture like what is that you know okay. like what um uh, what does it mean to get a chanclazo? you know <laughs> or get a right, now, right. now it's like crocs right so get a castle <laughs> <With a croc. laughs> <I'm done. laughs> um yeah you know I, I you see you see this um very embedded in our culture right like like chancla culture, Um, you do something wrong, like los ojos, te pelan los ojos, you know, and it's, you already know you're going to, you're about to get it at home. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really just, there are so many other ways to communicate with children, with teens, with adults, right? That doesn't necessarily have to be a reaction, Right. right? Because if you think about it, like parents, and I'm not a parent yet, and I totally understand, and I think, like I said, my parents have tried to, and continue to try to break cycles, and at the beginning, I remember when I was, like, young, like, five, six, el chanclazo, el cintorazo, right, and it's, like, ah, like, so scary, like, that's not okay, you, 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 you start creating, uh, trauma bonds right you start creating fear and worries into these children into these kids and now children are walking on eggshells they cannot be themselves they cannot express themselves they cannot um just that freedom of learning and unlearning right Mm -hmm. um and later on in life you see that this may turn into um, hypervigilance, trauma symptoms, right? Like being watchful. If you drop, if you drop uh, my mug, you know I'm drinking coffee, and if I drop my mug accidentally, and my partner is in my home, I immediately fear. Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I, I dropped my mug accidentally. I'm so sorry. Let me clean it up. And and it's kind of like that fear that continues to show. Later on in years mm-hmm. right so it's it's starting from our roots like why why do we feel that we have to react instead of respond to a situation? It's valid for us to feel anger it's valid for us to feel irritated towards our family members, our children, our friends, our family, but there are a lot better ways to um, communicate like, hey, I feel angry when um you are on your phone the whole time and you're not paying attention to me is there any way that you know we can put phones away for like the next 30 minutes and then later on we could proceed with our lives right or with children um instead if they're showing uh temper tantrums or they're experiencing any anger outburst it's like i see that you're angry What's what's going on? Like, do you do do we need to go for a walk? Do we need to go outside for a little bit? Do we need to play with our pet for a bit? So that way we can co-regulate together. Mm -hmm. Right. That that looks different. Mm -hmm. But how do we how do we change these patterns by starting a conversation kind of like what we're doing now? Mm -hmm. Right. So all the listeners out there, there are so many different ways then immediately get a chancla or a cocaso, right? But it, it's just starting those conversations now and implementing those seeds.
1: Yeah, I, I think, think a lot of it also stems from not knowing. I grew up on on chanclasos and, you know, the belt or, you know, the vacuum cord, whatever was within reach, you know, like whatever was within reach, that's what, what we got. And um, I've shared on here before that, What that created was like a sense of fear and resentment with my parents, because it felt like they always saw the wrong and they punished me for the wrong, but they never saw the good and they never celebrated the good. And I like I had a very difficult time with my parents as as a teenager, because of the way that they disciplined me from from when I was very little, Um, but you know, I, once I got older and I asked my mom, like, like, why, like, why, why did you hit us? And it was like, well, that's what your grandma did, you know? And it's, it's just because that's all she knew. Cause she was brought up that way. So then when she became a mom, then she just continued the cycle of disciplining the same way. And I made the choice when I became a mother, no, I'm not continuing the cycle. This cycle stops here. And luckily because I, um, wanted to become a teacher. I took a lot of courses in like child psychology and building relationships with kids. And then my minor is actually in psychology too. So I did a lot of like um, Latin um, psychology, women's psychology type of stuff. So I think I, I felt equipped enough to find other ways to discipline that did not include physical punishment. And, um, but yeah, a lot of the times it's just because they don't know. It's just something that's been carried on from generation to generation, and they don't know another way. And I think speaking out about it um, is kind of what's going to help other people acknowledge like, oh, yeah, I still do that. Maybe I should consider something else. Or even for our younger people who don't have kids yet, like you said, you don't you don't have kids yet, but you already know you have that, um, you have made that decision that when and if you become a parent, like you're going to parent differently, right? So mm-hmm. starting these conversations I think is like big step number 1 in the right direction.
0: Absolutely. And also like I feel that times were so different. I mean social media wasn't a thing back then, right? Mm-hmm. And now there're tons of free resources out there on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook lives, like there's YouTube, there's so many outlets that I feel that times will progress and things will get different and better. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, You mentioned, you know, starting the conversation, that's actually kind of what I did with my son. Like ever since he was little, we would, we would put names on the emotions that we were feeling. And I think that kind of not just helped him, but honestly, like it helped me process. Like why was so, why was so angry as a mom? Like, why was I so frustrated? Like, you know, like, Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, there have been times when we're like, oh, I just want to grab you and spank you and send you to your room. But, I mean, sitting down and talking to him, like, okay, I'm frustrated with you because I told you three times to pick up your Legos and you did not pick up your toys. So now mommy is frustrated. I was like, when you ask me something three times and I don't do it, don't you feel frustrated? And you're like, yes. And so we sat there and and we kind of like empathize with mm-hmm. each other, and that kind of helped build our relationship, and my, my son and I, we have a great relationship, you know, we, he's like my little best friend, he knows I'm mom, but I, we're like, you know, we have a lot of stuff in common, and I think it's because we had these conversations, and we named these emotions, and we, um, even when it was uncomfortable for me, because I'm the one, I'm the parent, so I had to lead by example, even when it was uncomfortable, I know that it's created this great relationship that we have now, and it's not built on trauma. It's not built on fear. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's like. There's one thing that I am proud of myself for is the kind of mother that I have become. No, no,
0: thank no, you. <laughs> that is awesome to hear. Yeah. And you know, we see this dynamic, right? Of like, you grew up in a home where, whether it was subconsciously or consciously, these disciplines were implemented Mm -hmm. and you saw that they didn't work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And that awareness, it's like, I know what, what I know, what I felt to be on the other side. So now that I'm a mommy, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to change and I'm going to break patterns and I'm going to implement new ones that you see have worked for you. Mm -hmm. How old is your baby?
1: Oh, now he's 16. (laughs) He's a big kid now. He's a whole teen. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: he's a whole teen now. But but I think, Uh you know, I, I say that like all of those little things have built up because, you know, most teenagers, like once they hit their teenage years, they want nothing to do with their parents, right? Whereas my son, I'll be like, hey, let's go to the movies. Okay, what time? He never really hesitates to hang out with me. Um, or just, you know, we talk about, like, girls. We talk about his friends and the drama that his friends are going through. And it's just, it's created this really open communication between us. So, yeah, now he's 16. And, you know, he's his own big old teenager in person with his own life. But, um, yeah, no, like I... I I'm, I'm proud of him
0: too. Yeah. I am definitely taking notes, taking notes because (laughs) I I think it's a beautiful, uh, it's beautiful to hear that you have that relationship with him, Mm. that you're able to have these conversations that are important as a 16 year old. There's so many changes happening right now. Yeah. Right. And he did experience the pandemic while being in school. Right.
1: That was tough for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think for everyone, especially for for kiddos, uh, teens who were in school, that changed where, you know, you used to go to school and like to meet with your friends, you know, show off your new shoes and things like that. And that totally changed for a year and a half. Right. But I'm, I'm happy to hear that, that you have that relationship with him.
1: Well, I just want to put the disclaimer that I don't think I'm a perfect parent. You know, all parents mess up. (laughs) I have my fair share of mess ups too. So just make sure I
0: want to put that out there. There's a disclaimer. (laughs) You are human. You are human. (laughs) And it's so valid for you to feel all types of emotions. And there's no such thing as a perfect human being. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you can speak to
1: this, but instead of always reaching for the croc or the chancla or the belt, what are some other ways that parents can, I guess, discipline and communicate with their kids? Besides from what I, you know, what I, my experience, what are some other techniques or things that you would suggest?
0: I think the language that you use is very important. It's very important to, again, a lot of the times we carry stress, you know, as adults, we may um, carry stress from work, stress from life itself, our own traumas, sometimes unresolved traumas, and so when we become triggered, what happens? we tend to react. Mm-hmm. We tend to immediately act out of impulse and say things that later on we're like, "I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. I feel so guilty right I, I, I hear uh, parents that I work with say um you know, I said this, this, and this, and later on, I had so much guilt, and I didn't know how to come back from it. So, a few ways is language, right? Language and the way that you are um, responding to the situation, right? If you feel that you are being triggered, kind of like what you said, I sometimes be, I, I get angry. Mm-hmm. I'm like on edge sometimes. It's learning, doing a body scan, and saying. If I say what I'm thinking, it might uh, create some sort of effect into my children, my child's life, right? So it's having parents having that awareness of like, what is it that I'm feeling? Am I displaying my anger onto my child because I had a bad day at work um, and now I need to take a break and then come back from it? Um, or, um, you know, just kind of have a sit down conversation, kind of like what you said, Um Mommy's feeling very frustrated right now. Um, what is it that we need to do right like taking more of like a we approach rather mm-hmm. rather than you you right. you did this, you did that you you're not cleaning, you never clean your room right like staying away from like those over generalized statements that's one two is again kind of like what you said earlier. um my parents um only were able to see like the bad, right? The quote unquote bad, like what I, what I, what I did, what I misbehaved on. Mm -hmm. Um, And they failed to recognize the, the, the positive side, right? Mm -hmm. Me completing my homework, me getting A's on, you know, my quizzes and things like that. So it's also recognizing the, the behavior that's appropriate in your home and maybe the behavior that needs some sort of consequence, right? So setting like a token economy system for small kiddos, for kiddos who are maybe between like four to eight years old, uh, making a chart, making a like Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, wh- whatever you choose to, and really highlighting like, you know, you, you, you cleaned your room today, you did your bed. So we're going to put a little star here. And by the time that you have five stars, we're going to go, I'm going to, um, we're going to celebrate that win and we're going to go for a walk. We're going to go for an ice cream. So whatever it is that you want to implement that reward to look like, doesn't necessarily have to be a big toy. Um, it could be as small as, you know, a Michoacana ice cream, you know, or something that, um, meets your budget. Right. right. So highlighting both the the rewards and the consequences as well.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing that I do want to touch on with your reward system, though, is if, you're, if you say that there's going to be a reward, it's very important that you follow through with that reward. And I know this also from teaching, because I help teachers with classroom management a lot, where, you know, they tell their students, if, if everybody behaves this week, I'll bring popcorn on Friday, and then the teacher doesn't bring popcorn, so then the kids no longer believe the teacher, so then they're going to misbehave the next week, right, but this can also apply to parenting, so if you told your your child, if you clean your room, and you, you know, you you do your chores, you do all these things, and we're going to celebrate on Saturday, then you need to celebrate on Saturday, don't lie to your kids, because they'll, they'll pick up on that, yeah.
0: Yes, definitely follow through. Right. Parents follow through and you will see great, great responses. Yeah. Great responses. Um, it might take some time for you to, especially if, if this is not something that you use at home, it may take some time for the kids to understand that system. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's also being patient and compassionate um, through this process. Yeah,
1: for sure. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I wanna talk about boundaries Um, in the Latinx culture and Hispanic cultures, you know, we're a very like we, not me type of culture, right? It's a lot about the collective and I love that about us, but there are times when you do need to prioritize the me, and sometimes it's hard to do that, whether because you've never been conditioned to put yourself first, um, or because you're afraid of what your family will say. Um, and that—that's something. <laughs> Self care to me. Is a- big deal um and that's something that i've i've struggled with and even now now i don't i don't have it mastered but it is something that i do much better um and you've shared that too about you know setting boundaries and it could be as simple as like you know you're at a relative's house and they offer you a second plate of food and you being okay with saying no gracias ya estoy llena right like I'm good I'm full but thank you because sometimes we don't want to say no to things like that because we don't want to come off as rude so when I talk about setting boundaries I mean like the big things but also just the little things so let's talk about that
0: boundaries oh gosh you know (laughs) I, I didn't learn this term until I was in college like I didn't even know what boundaries were at home. I didn't know what boundaries were in my relationships in high school. I didn't know what boundaries were period, right? Like and when I got to college and I started yeah, getting more into like sociology, psychology and things like that, I I started unpacking on you know on my own all of these things and I'm like, "Dang, like I I was real real deep lost in my self-identity and what I wanted and and what I didn't want. And um, I think every household is different, right? But we do share kind of like the topics that I discuss are the very general that I kind of hear all the time that my clients share and I'm like, yeah, like yo te entiendo, like I feel that. Um, and it's it's before I get into this spiel, right? Um, I want to ask you, did you know boundaries? Because you know that I didn't know boundaries, but did you know boundaries growing up, like as a child, teen, adolescent?
1: I think that I set boundaries and I communicated my boundaries, but just like you, I didn't know that they were boundaries, right? Like I wasn't afraid to say no. Um, Like I'll give you an example. Um, You know, when we go to like family functions, we have to greet everyone and give them a hug or a handshake or a kiss or all of the above. Um, And so as far as I can remember, I would tell my mom, no. Like I would go say hi to the people that I was close with because I felt comfortable doing that. But then there were certain relatives where I didn't know them. So I wasn't about to go kiss them hi. Um, there was one uncle in particular who always made me feel very uneasy. Um, And so I just flat out, like, wouldn't even go say hi to him, just because I didn't feel comfortable. And it was a big, it was a big thing with my mom and I, she'd always say that I was um, apretada, that I was rude, you know, all these things. And i would be like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. So that's just kind of an example of how like I was setting my boundaries and I was communicating my boundaries. I just didn't necessarily know that that's what I was doing. Again, like you probably until like later, later, like early twenties is when I realized what the heck I was doing. Yeah.
0: And that is actually, you were prioritizing your needs and probably your nervous system was reacting to responding to this situation, right? Like he ain't safe I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go say hi to him yeah um and I think you know going back to like what I was saying um boundaries sometimes were not taught in Latinx homes um again going back to that awareness part right they were not taught boundaries in their previous generations with their parents and and so forth and it's something that whether it was done subconsciously or consciously it it wasn't implemented Mm -hmm. right and so yeah you hit really good points um you don't have to say hi to everyone at the family Mm carnazada you know you don't have to if you feel if you don't feel safe you don't have to say hi well
1: and then just to clarify I wasn't like and I told my mom this, I, cause I would tell her, I was like, mom, it's not like I'm ignoring them. I still wave. I'm like, Hey, hi, Tia. Hi, Theo, Whatever. Like I'm acknowledging them that they're there. I'm still saying hello. I'm just not going to put myself in an uncomfortable situation where someone's entering my personal space. If I don't want them in my personal space. Absolutely. So that's, you know, it, but yeah, that I, co- I commend you for that. I
0: commend you for that. Because <laughs> even though you were younger, you knew, like you were hyper aware of like, Okay with that, yeah. Um, instead of like me growing up, totally fond response, totally people pleasing, totally no boundaries. And it's so interesting. Like now that I look back and I'm able to say, um, I did not know my limits, and I was such a people pleaser, and I still am sometimes, but I'm aware when when I'm I'm okay to say no. Because I really can't show up in that space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, you also mentioned the the comida, right? El, el segundo plato que cuando vas a la casa de tu mamá, te, da, te sirven los chilaquiles completo. Like they serve all the, the, yeah. the food. Here, have a second plate. And it's like, no, mom, like, no, I'm okay. Yeah. How about I'll come tomorrow for coffee and this yeah. plate tomorrow i morning.
1: mañana, <laughs> like, it's Okay. <laughs>
0: Um and even um, body image, right? Mm-hmm. Huge. I still hear comments from my mom today um, about my body, no matter if I am on the thicker side or the leaner side, she will say something not so positive about whatever my, where my body is at and I put a stop now. I'm like, you, I'm feeling bullied right now. And I'm feeling bullied right now. And this is not okay, mom. And I'd rather not you uh, mention anything about my body, right? I think that's huge. And, and um, I will always remember this comment that my mom said, and maybe so many listeners can resonate with this. Um, I was going through a breakup and I gained 20 pounds. I gained 20 pounds. And um, I went to my mom's house and I was already like living on my own. Hence, (laughs) I needed to set that physical boundary, right? At a very early age. And I remember coming home and quote unquote, maybe trigger warning out there, you know? Uh, She said, tienes nalgas de señora, whatever that means. (laughs) Whatever that means, I'm like, wow, mom, I immediately left. I couldn't, I froze. It was a freeze response. I froze and I walked away and I'm like, I'm not going to come home. I'm, I'm not ready to talk to her. I'm not ready to, to have this conversation with her. And legit, it took like six months for me to come back. And maybe I was being avoidant, but I was protecting my energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sure enough, I came back six months later and I, and I had a conversation with her about body image and how significant um, uh, the cause can be when someone talks negatively about your body appearance. Mm-hmm. And she understood. She understood and she apologized and she, and she really tries to um, be mindful of what she says every time that I'm around. Yeah. So they have a truly um, probably understood boundaries with me. And I hope that they continue learning more about boundaries on their own. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: No, and one I like that you mentioned that because I've I've experienced similar things with my dad when it comes when it comes to body image. Oops, sorry, my microphone fell off. Um, especially, you know, being overweight. Um, so that's something that I had that I did struggle with with my dad. Um, but I also like that you mentioned that you know, by us stating our boundaries, it's helping them in turn learn boundaries that they probably didn't learn when they were growing up or even into adulthood, they they don't know. Um, And like my relationship with my parents, completely different from when I was a teenager. You know, I told you it was bad when I was a teenager. They didn't understand me. A lot of it is first gen complex, which is a completely different other topic. Um, But now that I'm an adult, and I'm able to communicate and explain things better, they're able to empathize and it's helping them in turn also, I guess, you know, make set their own boundaries now that they're that they're older. Um, but going back to boundaries, it reminded me of a situation with my dad, because same thing. He used to always make comments about my weight. Um, and one thing he'd always say, too, is like, te va a querer si estás gorda. like nobody's going to want you if you're fat. Right. So my response was like, not to his face, but I was like, well, F you, I'm not going to listen to you because you just made me feel bad, right? So I didn't prioritize my health or my weight or anything. It, it took me wanting to do it for me to finally make that choice and take that step. Um, but then even after I lost the weight, um, my dad still made comments like, ¿Y te vas a casar? ¿Te ¿El novio? like things like that. And one day I just, I had enough and I sat down with my dad. I was like, look, Every time you ask me if I'm going to get married, or every time you ask me if I'm seeing someone or dating someone or anything like that, you make me feel like I'm not enough. I was like, I don't need to be married. I don't need to have a partner to have a fulfilling life. I'm like, dad, look at me. I have a child. I have my home. I pay my bills. I'm educated. Look at all the stuff that I was able to do without a married on my side. I was like, I don't need to have one. So I would really appreciate it if you would stop asking. Um, and if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, then you just need to be okay with that. And that nipped it in the bud. <laughs> he hasn't asked it ever since. <laughs> Good. But you know, it was one of those moments where, like, I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. And it, it, it I snapped. I had to set that boundary. And maybe I wasn't. Maybe I was a little too direct when I spoke to him about it. Um, that's the one part that I do regret is that I wish I hadn't like snapped, but I mean, at that point, you know, you can't, you also can't control yourself. So, um, but I'm glad that I did have that conversation with him because now he knows that that's my boundary and he doesn't bring it up anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. It needed to happen that way. It needed to, you know, sometimes being a little more on the assertive, straightforward side mm-hmm. um, helps people understand like, that's not okay. That's not yeah. okay to discuss. And, you know, the topic on e el novio, right? Y la boda. cuándo van, se, se van a casar? And those people that are married. Pa cuándo los hijos? Right. I feel like it never, it just never stops. You have one child. ¿Y pa cuándo el segundo? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yo, can we relax for a bit? Like, can we, can we just embrace this moment? Um, but yeah, you know, I think I feel that because familismo is such a a a huge thing in our culture, Latinx culture, Um, it is going back to the home, right? The 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 home, the marriage, the kids, the 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 dog, the the pets, and 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 living that dream. Um, But at the same time, like you don't necessarily have to follow those those. Uh, footsteps right yeah. um, you don't necessarily have to also stick to certain gender roles right like I don't know how to cook I <laughs> I, can, I can I try I try I pull out my recipe I pull out the YouTube but I don't know how to cook I don't like cleaning but I clean you know and, <laughs> and it's all yeah. of the, all of these gender roles that to my parents my mom never um, worked in when, when I was a child, uh, when I, when I was uh, living with them, she never worked. My dad was a breadwinner and, um, some machista behavior there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I broke a cycle. I said, I don't want to be a stay home mom. I don't eventually, you know, when marriage comes later and kids come later, I'm opened for it. But like you said, when it will come to me and when, right. when I feel that I'm,
1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA, member FDSE. Let's talk about therapy in general.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like I mentioned before, I know that sometimes seeking therapy is not easy, especially in our culture. Um, you know, sometimes when I was feeling like sad or depressed um, my mom would be like Esos son demonios no es right and so then they put this stigma on mental health that you, there's something wrong with you or that you're demonic and I know part of it just kind of stems back to religion which I'm not going to dive into today um, <laughs> but because that's a whole other topic too but I, I just I want to talk about Therapy in general, um, I put a question sticker on my Instagram asking people, um, like, what are some things that hold you back from starting therapy? And what are some things that you would like to know about the process of therapy? Um, The two biggest things that I heard from everyone um, is money. Um, That seems to be the number one issue that holds people back from starting therapy. And I'll share my experience on how I started therapy. Um, And then also just the anxiety of starting therapy and people finding out that you're in therapy, which I can also relate because when I started therapy, I didn't tell my family I was in therapy until like a year later um, for the same reason, because I, I didn't know how they were going to react. I didn't want my parents to feel like they had failed me because I needed to go to therapy. I didn't want them to feel that way. Um, but yeah, so let's let's dive into that a little bit. Let's start with seeking therapy in general. Um, I can share my experience. So when I decided to start therapy, um, I just did a Google search. <laughs> I just Googled um, therapists in my area and I found a couple of clinics. Um, and then when I started a phone call and started making those calls, then they started asking about insurance, which is then when I realized, oh, I should probably go through my insurance first to see who they cover now granted i know not everyone has health insurance um but assuming that you do what i did is i went through the providers that were covered i looked at everyone and most of them had websites where they have their picture um you can read a little bit about their background and then they tell you the types of therapy or even the two the, the groups of people that they do therapy with um so i chose one who's picture showed kindness and compassion, but who I also knew would be able to empathize with me because she mentioned that she was also a single mom. She was a female. She was around my age. And so that's how I found my therapist. Um, And then as far as financially, um, it was expensive. Even with my insurance, um, I had a $70 copay. And at first I was going every week, once a week. So that adds up really quick when you have that, you know, $70 copay every week um, eventually got to the point where I wasn't going every week. So then it was like, you know, every two weeks and it became like once a month. So the, the financial burden did become a little bit less, um, but then she went private practice um, and she no longer took insurance. And that's when I stopped going to her because I couldn't no longer afford her. And that was even though I had insurance, I still I couldn't afford her. Um, but I know that other people who don't have insurance, they just can't afford it altogether. Um, do you know of any resources or I guess let's talk about how other other ways for you to suggest that people find their therapist? And if you know of any resources to help with the financial aspect of it?
0: Yep. So and thank you for asking this question, because I think this is very important, right? I think we hear. Um, people say how, how expensive therapy can be, how it's an investment and how, um, you know, it, it is pricey depending on what type of therapy you're seeking for and if, whether you have insurance, Medi-Cal, et cetera. So I started, um, in community mental health, community mental health is pretty much county work, um, as an associates, associates, uh, social worker. Um, and I was working under a licensed clinical social worker. Um, and so I know that depending on where you live, they should offer um, low-income services if you start with uh, county, looking into community uh, mental health, which is uh, under your county uh, where you reside. I also was seeing patients' claims with MediCal. So there are tons of resources. They may um, they may take a while for you to get there, especially now with the pandemic, how high demand therapy mental health services have been. Um, but that's one way to go, right? So if you do have Medi-Cal, apply for Medicaid, or if you're interested, you're low income, apply for Medi-Cal and call them and have them link you with a community mental health um, uh, agency where where they can provide um, uh, services in office, or even sometimes they go to your uh, home. So that's really nice. Cause I, I did that for over four or five years, mm-hmm. community mental health. Um, then I switched to, um, insurance. So Kaiser, I am working for a group practice where they only take, uh, Kaiser insurance. And depending, I think they pause the copay for the pandemic. Um, but if you do not have insurance, they are also websites. I cannot remember exactly the names of them right at this second, but they are um, links. Maybe I can uh, look for them and yeah. send them to you after. Well, I have
1: some insight on that because that's actually what I'm doing now. Um, okay, I, cool. I, yeah, I decided to forego my insurance because I didn't like any of the options that I had available locally to me. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm actually going through better help right now. That's one of the big ones right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to share the price, but I'm going to anyway. I don't think they're listening. Um, But yeah, it's um, about $200 a month and you get to choose your therapist and you get to choose how often you meet virtually um, and you can choose to do just like communication like through the app and it's all very confidential because of HIPAA or you can choose to go through the video their video portal because it has to be their video portal again because of HIPAA Um, but yeah so if you want to talk to your therapist like once a week twice a week every other week then you and your therapist can align that um, and you just schedule through the app um, I find it super convenient. You can also, you know send them emails or just like little chats, which they're they're not gonna they are they're also human. so don't expect them to you know reply to you immediately because they have mm-hmm. lives and, and kids and families. Um, but, Mm -hmm. it's communicating with them is a little bit easier than the traditional therapy I was doing before where Mm -hmm. I would go and then I wouldn't see them or talk to them again for like another week or another two weeks. Right. So I do like this option a little bit better. Um, and I think that it is, um, I, I think the price for what you get is, Really, really good, um, and again, like you get to choose your own therapist. So BetterHelp. Um, this is not an ad. I know that a lot of podcasts have ads for BetterHelp. This is not an ad.
0: This is it's not an me ad. Genuinely,
1: <laughs> this is me genuinely as um, a person who uses the app BetterHelp for counseling.
0: Mm-hmm. There is another website that, um, again, I'm, I can go ahead and uh, send you the link after we're done. Um, that provide also. Uh, low income um, services. And there's also therapists who offer a sliding skill, meaning that they d- they will work with you. And these are just uh, uh, therapists that have their own uh, practice. So for example, like when, when I do, when I'm fully equipped and, and, and ready to go into my own private practice, I am going to offer a sliding skill. I am going to have those conversations with people because I've been there, you know, I understand how it may feel if you, um, get charged 175, some therapists are charging 200 and over. I get it. We have, um, we pay for our trainings. We have so much education, but also therapy should not be this difficult to, to obtain. Yeah, it, it should, should not be a, a burden
1: to only the elite. It should be accessible. It's healthcare. It should be accessible to everyone. It
0: should be accessible and it should not feel like a burden. Like you're constantly thinking about like, damn, he's, they're about to charge me X amount. And, and remember that the healing process is not just 10 sessions, right? It could be 10 sessions, but it takes time. So yeah, definitely a lot of therapists do offer sliding scale, and there are different options there. You can also, if you're not looking into getting um, a, a licensed therapist, there are associates who may have um, less uh, less of a of a price than a licensed uh, therapists. But there's definitely. I'll go ahead and send you the the link um, yeah. after we're done.
1: Yeah, no, and I'll totally put it in the um, episode description. So if anybody needs those resources, they're all going to be linked in the episode notes.
0: Yeah, but going back to what you were saying about like um, dismantling mental health stigma, right? Like you, for example, said I didn't tell my family until a year later that I was in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of possible the shame, I don't want them to feel like they failed as parents. Um, and, and I think, you know, it, it has been talked about more, uh, recently, uh, with the spread of pandemic, the virus, um, how mental health became such a big thing because we were impacted in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. anxiety, adjustment disorders, depression, trauma. And, um, what I saw a lot, it was OCD, OCD traits, obsessive compulsive behavior, which was the excessive hand cleaning, right? Like now I have the virus, um, repetitive behavior, cleaning their homes uh, multiple times throughout the day because feeling like you are carrying the virus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just, again, um, checking in with yourself and processing like, why is it that I'm feeling this way? Why is it that um, I... I feel shame or guilt after my therapy sessions. Well, because it wasn't taught to me, you know, my parents didn't go to therapy and um, I'm, I'm breaking a cycle by uh, starting this journey of healing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just really uh, checking in with yourself and reassuring yourself that it's okay for you to go to therapy. It's okay for you to feel all of your feelings. It's okay for you to cry to um, be vulnerable in spaces that so many people struggle with. I struggle with being vulnerable sometimes Um, and I'm a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. I'm human, I'm human. So definitely it's something that um, it's a unique experience. And so checking in with yourself and asking like, where, where is this feeling coming from and exploring that?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm you you mentioned um, being vulnerable when in therapy, and I think that's a big part of it working, because I do hear oftentimes, I tried therapy and it didn't work, or I tried therapy and it wasn't helpful. Um, But I think, you know, you get from it what you put into it. So if you are not willing to be open and honest and vulnerable in these sessions, then you're not really going to see that much change. And I, that was something that I was scared of at first. I was like, I don't want to tell this person my deepest, darkest thoughts, and then they judge me for it. Um, but they don't. And and if they do, then that's a wrong therapist.
0: <laughs> that's have- a re- that's <laughs> a therapist red <we're> flag. <laughs>
1: yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> um, the right therapist is going to help you. I think analyze things deeper and understand where you're coming from and why it's coming from and how you can. It focus more on the things that you can control versus the exterior because you can't control other people right you can only control yourself and so I think for me that was the biggest change you know people always talk about how like I'm confident and not outspoken and I've always been like that but it was about like other things not these deep things and I think therapy is what really helped me open up and tap into these things to where to now we're like you know I share these things with thousands of people on the internet and I don't feel shame for it. Um, If anything, I've kind of hope that other people will take that step and do that self-care for themselves. Um, But yeah, I think there's so much value in therapy and it doesn't have to be because you experience some big trauma in your life and you need to go to therapy. Therapy can benefit everyone um because you know there's there's physical trauma but then there's just also like emotional trauma just these little things that you probably don't even recognize are trauma but they are and they're affecting you and your life and your choices um so yeah just, i just wanted to throw that in there from my personal experience with it
0: that was bomb that was bomb <laughs> i love to hear it love to hear it sis yes yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah I think you again you highlighted a really great point um therapy can benefit anyone. it doesn't have to be a major life transition or a a, a major severe symptom whether yes it, it it's definitely appropriate. There are more in the severe mental health um but a lot of the topics that I have been uh presented with breakups divorce um Changing jobs, uh, career changes, all, all of those adversities that can impact you so much. Mm-hmm. And it can really influence your relationships. And I've always said this: if you don't know um, if you have trauma, your relationships will tell you otherwise, right? Your relationships will tell you um, a lot if you explore, right. If you, why am I losing so many friends? Like, why, um, why is it that um, I keep attracting these people? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it that what's going on? And I feel that in therapy, you, you learn a lot um, and we discuss um, uncomfortable conversations that maybe you don't have with your friends, with your family uh, for whatever reason Um, And we get deep, we get really deep, obviously after the building report phase, but I love being a therapist and, you know, every, every day I'm reminded of uh, the power of healing and what it can do for you is huge. Mm -hmm. It's, it's priceless at this point.
1: Yeah, I totally Mm -hmm. agree. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have for us today. I mean, unless there's anything, any closing statements or thoughts that you would like to share with everyone. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I mean, if we need to, we can always do a second episode depending on. Yeah.
0: I love your energy girl. I love your energy. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I knew coming into this uh, I, I knew that I was going to be safe and safety is huge for me. So thank you. Thank you for providing this very lightweight, easy space for me. Um, Again, you know, we can definitely do like an episode, another episode on other different topics. I'm open for that. Um, But I feel like we really did cover um, important conversations. Obviously, you know, um, in in 60-ish minutes, we're not going to get everything down. (laughs) (laughs) But at least we started that conversation and we And hopefully, crossing fingers, we planted seeds.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. I think it was a nice little overview. And so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear. Um, what you guys think. So make sure that you, you know, leave reviews, um, go into the comments and Instagram, her page, my page, the podcast page, and just let us know um, what you think. And if there's anything more that you would like for us to dive deep into, this is something that I'm super passionate about. And um, I would like to continue to to bring this education and to continue to, to break these cycles that no longer serve us. So once again, thank you, uh, Jacqueline, for coming on. Go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you and follow you and support you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me again. My name is Jacqueline Garcia. If you did not get that at the beginning of the podcast, (laughs) Um, and you can find me on Instagram as TherapyLux, and I'm also on TikTok as TherapyLux. And I just have those two for now.
1: Awesome. And I'll put those in the episode description as well.
0: All right. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.